بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم ریڈیو رمضان 87.7 FM ریفلیکشنز ریفلیکشنز آن فرائیڈے فرسٹ آف می سیونتھ آف رمضان اینڈ آئی ایم یور ہوسٹ زبیر اکرم ود می آئی ہیو مائی گیسٹ شیخ رضوان محمد السلام علیکم شیخ علیکم السلام و رحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ Uh, today iftar is at 9:03 time just now is at 7:38 time just now is 7:38 i think uh, just a slightly delayed start and i'm going to go inshallah straight into the recitation of today's uh, selected ayahs and we'll have sheikh's comment on these ayahs today <laughs> بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم In the name of Allah the absolutely merciful the especially merciful وترى الشمس إذا طلعت تزاور عن كهفهم ذات اليمين وإذا غربت تقرضهم ذات الشمال وهم في فجوة منه ذلك من آيات الله من يهد الله فهو المهتد ومن يضلل فلن تجد له وليا مرشدا And you might have seen the sun when it rose declining to the right from their cave and when it set turning away from them to the left while they lay in the midst of the cave That is of the signs of Allah He whom Allah guides is rightly guided But he whom he sends astray, for him you will find no guiding friend to lead him to the right path. وَتَحْسَبُهُمْ أَيْقَاضًا وَهُمْ رُقُودٌ وَنُقَلِّبُهُمْ ذَاتَ الْيَمِينِ وَذَاتَ الشِّمَالِ وَكَلْبُهُمْ بَاسِقٌ ذِرَاعَيْهِ بِالْوَصِيدٌ لو اطلعت عليهم لوليت منهم فرارا ولملئت منهم رعبا And you would have thought them awake while they were asleep and we turned them on their right and on their left sides and their dog stretching forth his two forelegs at the entrance Had you looked at them you would certainly have turned back from them in flight and would certainly have been filled with awe of them وَكَذَلِكَ بَعَثْنَاهُمْ لِيَتَسَاءَلُوا بَيْنَهُمْ قَالَ قَائِلٌ مِّنْهُمْ كَمْ لَبِثْتُمْ قَالُوا لَبِثْنَا يَوْمًا أَوْ بَعْضَ يَوْمٍ قَالُوا رَبُّكُمْ أَعْلَمُ بِمَا لَبِثْتُمْ فَبَعَثُوا أَحَدَكُمْ بِوَرِقِكُمْ هَذِهِ إِلَى الْمَدِينَةِ فَلْيَنْظُرْ أَيُّهَا أَزْكَى طَعَامًا فَلْيَنْظُرْ أَيُّهَا أَزْكَى طَعَامًا فَلْيَأْتِ 
Likewise, we awakened them that they might question one another. A speaker from among them said, How long have you stayed? They said, We have stayed perhaps a day or part of a day. They said, Your Lord knows best how long you have stayed. So send one of you with this silver coin of yours to the town, and let him find out which is the good lawful food, and bring some of that to you. And let him be careful. Sadaqallahul Azim سامعین آپ کے سامنے سورہ کہف کی یہ چند آیات رکھی گئیں اور اس کا ترجمہ کچھ یوں ہے کہ تم انہیں غار میں دیکھتے تو تمہیں یوں نظر آتا کہ سورج جب نکلتا ہے تو ان کے غار کو چھوڑ کر دائیں جانب چڑھ جاتا ہے اور جب غروب ہوتا ہے تو اس سے بچ کر بائیں جانب اتر جاتا ہے اور وہ ہیں کہ غار کے اندر ایک وسیع جگہ میں پڑے ہیں یہ اللہ کی نشانیوں میں سے ایک ہے جسے جس کو اللہ ہدایت دے وہی ہدایت پانے والا ہے اور جسے اللہ بھٹکا دے اس کے لیے تم کوئی ولی یا مرشد نہیں پا سکتے تم انہیں دیکھ کر یہ سمجھتے ہو کہ وہ جاگ رہے ہیں حالانکہ وہ سو رہے تھے ہم انہیں دائیں بائیں کروٹ دلواتے رہتے تھے اور ان کا کتا غار کے دھانے پر ہاتھ پھیلائے بیٹھا تھا اگر تم کہیں جھانک کر انہیں دیکھتے تو الٹے پاؤں بھاگ کھڑے ہوتے اور تم پر ان کے نظارے سے دہشت بیٹھ جاتی اور اسی عجیب کرشمے سے ہم نے انہیں اٹھا اٹھا بٹھایا تاکہ ذرا آپس میں پوچھ گچھ کریں ان میں سے ایک نے پوچھا کہو کتنی دیر اس حال میں رہے دوسروں نے کہا شاید دن بھر یا اس سے بھی کچھ کم رہے ہوں گے اور پھر وہ بولے اللہ ہی بہتر جانتا ہے کہ ہمارا کتنا وقت اس حالت میں گزرا چلو اب اپنے رب میں سے اپنے میں سے کسی کو چاندی کا یہ سکہ دے کر شہر بھیجیں اور وہ یہ دیکھ سکے کہ سب کچھ اچھا کہاں سے ملتا ہے وہاں سے وہ کچھ کھانے کے لیے لائے اور چاہیے کہ ذرا ہوشیاری سے کام کرے ایسا نہ ہو کہ وہ کسی وہ کسی کو ہمارے یہاں ہونے کی خبر دے بیٹھے اگر کہیں انہیں لوگوں کے ہاتھ ہم پڑ گئے تو بس سنگسار ہی کر ڈالیں گے یا پھر زبردستی ہمیں اپنی ملت میں واپس لے جائیں گے اور ایسا ہوا تو ہم کبھی فلاح نہ پا سکیں گے صدق اللہ الدیم شیخ دیز فیو آیاز Uh, who, whosoever Allah wills gives hidayah and, who's, and it is not something that you can endeavor for mm-hmm. uh, whoever he wills Bismillahirrahmanirrahim so this is verse number 17 17 so this is this is addressing the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam apparently it's addressing the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and it's asking the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam In fact, telling him you see and you will see and observe the sun when it's when it, um, you know, in its movement mm. around the kahf. So what's interesting with this um, specific um, verse is that it's telling either us or the Prophet ﷺ. It's more directly related to the Prophet ﷺ. That it's as if he was there. Remember, this is well before the Prophet's time. It's almost as if if you were to see it, this is what you would see. So it's almost like a time-traveling um, device in the Arabic 
which brings um, the event that's taking place of the the residence, which is the cave, clearly in view of the Prophet Ali Because what you're asking about is the hidayah part of it, but I think it's worth understanding the kind of context of what's happening here that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying is that if you were to um, to view this and if you were to um, ponder upon this you would see specific things and if you were to in this specific situation it would move um, between the right and the, and the left so it would set and, and, and rise in different places and the indi- indication is that that rising and setting indicates a specific geographical facing of the cave itself. So in terms of the, the north and the south, east and the west, it indicates that the cave must have been pointing towards the north and it wasn't south facing. So if you think of, if you mm. buy a house um, in Scotland or anywhere in the northern hemisphere, and this is in the norm- northern hemisphere of the world, mm. if it's south facing, you'll know what that means. It means that the sun is directly coming in. So if you look at you know, most of you see affluent houses, they usually face south-facing. Mm. So they always say, if you if you look at an estate agent, they always say south-facing um, perspective. So which means that right away the person knows it's lots of direct sun, sunshine, which is good for a, a climate like the UK or colder climates. Mm. But generally in, um, remember I was in Damascus and and, and um, you have to, we had to move every very often we had to move houses mm. because there was something in, in the local um, statutes that restricted people staying for more than six months in the same house because of the fear of being unable to remove occupants. And so we'd move, so you'd constantly be looking at houses and checking which one's worth living in. And one day, well, one of the times I actually looked at a house, it was quite late on when we saw the house, and I felt it was quite warm. And then I agreed to take it with a couple of my my colleagues in the, in the in the college there. And then the first day we moved in, by by mid morning we realised we made a massive mistake because the sun was coming straight in, mm. heating, and baking. And at night time the heat of the building was radiating onto your ears. It was very very uncomfortable. So that was north facing there. So the, so that was south facing. Okay. Because the sun's coming straight in. And so the Qur'an is indicating that this is actually south-facing. Mm. Um, sorry, no, north-facing, which indicates that it is um, protected from the, the kind of the rays of the sun and the heat of the sun. And that is a, t- a type of protection, which is actually interesting that they are protected from that in terms of where the sun is shining. And also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَهُمْ فِي فَجْوَةٍ مِّنْ And they are residing within, an, within a space within it. And was they well inside, protected from the rays of the sun, where you'd imagine they would come to harm. And then Allah says, This is from the signs of God. What? The protection. So the protection is important in this verse. In other words, the place that they hid, and they're being placed within there to remain, and it being protected from this heat. And Allah says, That is from the signs of God, that God has given them a sign. What is it? مَنْ يَهْدِ اللَّهُ فَهُوَ الْمُهْتَدْ Whoever is guided by God, that is the guided one. Hmm. So that statement, مَنْ يَهْدِ اللَّهُ فَهُوَ الْمُهْتَدْ You can just say that without the context of this verse. <coughs> yeah. And this is the thing about the Qur'an, is there's many verses that you can take out of the context and it makes perfect sense. And hmm. it becomes like a principle. You know, if somebody said to you, مَنْ يَهْدِ اللَّهُ فَهُوَ الْمُهْتَدْ 
you won't necessarily know that, that oh, that's from the story of the Kahf. Mm-hmm. There's people of the Kahf because it's such a general thing, which is if God decides to guide somebody, they're the guided person. And also, وَمَنْ يُضْلِلْ فَلَنْ تَجِدَ لَهُ وَلِيَ مُرْشِدًا And whoever Allah causes to go astray, يُضْلِلْ which is dalal is to be astray and not know your way back. فَلَنْ تَجِدَ You will never find. And لَنْ here in Arabic doesn't mean never ever. It means you will not find. Because in Arabic there's a whole technical discussion about لَنْ mm-hmm. whether it indicates forever and ever. But here it indicates you will not find. You will not find a helping guide for that person. So the point is, they're, they're choosing a specific cave almost by mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, it's imagine they've made a decision to worship God and they have decided to turn their back on the forced idolatry that they're doing. They've taken that path. Now, what Allah has promised in this is that if you make the right steps towards guidance, Allah will then guide you and no one will be able to lead you astray. In other words, even that choice of the cave, I don't think they would have thought, oh, this is um, north-facing, so if, we, if, we're, if we're banished within it and we're, we're locked in it for hundreds of years, we'll be able to survive because the heat will not be so much that we will feel uncomfortable. They didn't think of that, did they? There was this hiding. Mm-hmm. While they were hiding, they were going to come out at some point, but what happened is they were uh, imprisoned. And so Allah is saying, because you started on the right foot with the intention of God's guidance being given to you, مَنْ يَهْدِي muhtad. Whoever seeks at God's guidance, they're the guided one. In other words, will continue to be guided. So that is extremely important because it's like Ibn Atta'illahi says, مَنْ أَشْرَقَتْ بِدَايَتُهُ أَشْرَقَتْ نِهَايَتُهُ Whoever in their path towards God or life has a good, bright start. You know, their first experience of life and their first choices and intentions are good. Ashraqat nihayatuhu. Their end will also be enlightened and, and luminous and radiant. That's because you made the first step. Because remember, this, ver- this, this verse is about the fact that they made the initial step. Because it's not about... You know, if you took this out of context, if you took this verse, which is you're, you're asking about, whoever God guides, they're mm. guided. Mm. You will mistake, mistake the meaning of the verse. Mm. Because if you take it as you're taking it, which is whoever God guides, they're the guided one, it seems as if God looks and says, Okay. You're the guided one. You're the guided one. You're guided. Without any reason for that at all. That's not the case. It's not the case, and that's the that's the, the that's the danger of taking the Quran to be axiomatic, meaning it has just general principles and rules you can apply without looking at the context. Even a verse like this, which seems to be so universal, whoever God guides, they're the guided one. It sounds like a kind of the headline. Mm, I understand. Now whoever, in other words, whoever God guides, they're guided. That's fait accompli, which is understood. understood. Understood whoever God's guided, they're guided. But whoever God guides based on their choice to, to be guided and seek mm. out guidance and to seek out the truth, then of course God will guide them. And then the sign, the reason why this is a sign is that it was a protection. And Allah is basically saying, look at the way that their choice meant that God guided them to the point that He guided them to a place 
even without them knowing that was going to be a place of protection? Did God not know that they would be chased by the by the by this uh, by this emperor, and that he would barricade them into this and and, and, and into this cave, and they will be stuck there, and so the place that they would choose would be of a type that would indicate to people that they are under God's protection. So th- there is a, this kind of ilham mm. for people who, even though they were hiding, but there is mm. some ilham, there is something that mm. they think because Allah has guided them to go to that cave, which mm. will be a protection for them. Yes, there. I mean, you can say ilham is obviously some, an idea of um, divine indication, inspiration or... You would say, um, you know, English in the kind of common English language, you would kind of say you had a you had a hunch, yeah, inclination, Inclin- or hunch. The hunch is just like you have a hunch. That this is the case, but ilham is like this kind of spiritual inclination towards something that is good. Ilham. So it's like you are given um, some kind of. And in fact, in in, the, in some hadith, the word is called firasa. Firasa is slightly different. Ilham is more like you're guided towards something because of the fact that God is inspiring you with something. Yeah, it's... Um, yeah, firasa is... Firasa is this kind of fifth sense, which is you perceive things that other people don't perceive. Ilham is more... Imagine you've got split second to make a decision. Ilham is the thing that will move you towards one of those situations. Yeah. And, and another thing here is that it's, it seems to me from Urdu translation that... It's not just south facing, mm-hmm. as if the the sun skipped it. Mm-hmm. it, it normally, it would be there, mm-hmm. but it was preserving them, mm-hmm. and that's why it skipped. It, it, it would skip. Obviously, it would skip. It wouldn't come on the front face of where the 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 actual uh, cave entry is to the cave, which is kind of a a, a mountain. So. تم انہیں غار میں دیکھتے ہو تو تمہیں یوں نظر آتا ہے کہ سورج جب نکلتا ہے تو غار کو چھوڑ کر دائیں جانب چڑھ جاتا ہے Eloquence of the Quran. This is called personification, which is the sun is pictured as a, as a thing that is avoiding harm. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, imagine a cat and you're asleep, and the cat goes round and avoids very, very articulately moves around something. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if the the sun is being personified as being a thing that avoids harm. Mm. Avoids so the idea here, in fact, will become up again. Here is that they are going to be put in a deep sleep, and the deep sleep means that Allah will then paint this picture of everything around them being protective. The sun is avoiding harming them, avoiding discomforting them, mm. yeah. and the way they're sleeping is, and this will come up in, in the next verse. How they sleep is not they're just sleeping in one place. Because remember, if you if you sleep in one place, in one position all night, when you wake up, you get bed sores. Yeah. So this is why the body normally flips one side to another. And normally, even normal people that sleep well, they do that. It's not tossing and turving. This is just naturally you move when your body senses. 
And how is that? That is a type of protection to help them. And the other thing is Allah seals their ears, seals their, their hearing. So everything around this is this kind of they're in a cocoon, protective. And the example that, or the or the kind of the image that comes to me is the womb. Yeah. So the kahf, which is the cave complex, is actually a protective womb within which they're in gestation for <coughs> three hundred or so years, where they're in this process of being nurtured, of being cared for or nourished in the most perfect way. So everything, the conditions like the womb. You can maybe very hot outside. It doesn't affect the temperature of the the child mm. inside, because that's a protective Shef, casing. It, it, it seems that there is, a, a, as if the mojiza or anything. It, it, it's like Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. There is this ultimate try of not disturbing the order that He's created. The order stays up to a degree, and then there is an intervention in that order. Mm-hmm. So all of this is like the choice of uh, cave and the way this, the sun is, the way the moon is, and the way they're sleeping. It's all following the same order that we're all used to. Mm-hmm. Except that they live for centuries, which is an intervention in the normal laws that we know of. Yes, the the, the thing about extending the, the period is... <coughs> Super supernatural, you would say. Yeah. But it's not normal that you are made to turn over that extended period. It's not normal that you are made to go towards a place which is going to be protected. It's not mm. normal that your your hearing is cocooned to the point that you're not disturbed. That's not normal. We make choices. So, for example, if I want to go to sleep, I'll decide to go to sleep at a time when it's quiet. In a place which is quiet, mm. in a place where I won't be disturbed by the temperature, etc., etc. You know yourself, if you want to, if you go to and travel and you look to sleep at a certain time, mm-hmm. you'll think, well, I didn't get to sleep at that time, it was, it was too hot, too noisy. So you kind of think, okay, I'll do it so I'm not, not disturbed. Here, Allah is providing all of this. The, all the environment is set you for Yes, you hayyi is to prepare. Mm. So... Uh, so there is normality. Hayya and tahayyu, which we looked at yesterday, which is to prepare, that God prepares this for them. It's almost as if you've been invited to this this place to stay. Everything's provided. The Yota plush restaurant, not sorry, a hotel. Everything's there. You've got slippers, you've got your shampoo. Everything's provided. You don't have to worry about not bringing anything. And so Allah has, because of their having taken the first step towards guidance, which is to decide to be true to the worship of God, then Allah has then what? Done what? And this is, in fact, it comes up a couple of times in the previous, um, you know, kind of sections that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is obviously preparing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is protecting. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is also giving them something that will um, be a means by which they are always under the the protective gaze of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَيُهَيِّئْ لَكُمْ مِنْ أَمْرِكُمْ مِرْفَقَ and this is the verse precisely before this which is that God will prepare for you or for them and here it says يُهَيِّئْ لَكُمْ for you مِنْ أَمْرِكُمْ from the, if your affairs مِرْفَقَ which is gentleness ease gentle repose and so this is the the you know, the kind of amazing message of, of this specific verse is that if you t- 
take that step towards Allah, then Allah will prepare for you what you require for the good of this life and the hereafter. That's a general thing that's happening here. That if you do this, um, mm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will then rectify and will provide and will um, facilitate your pathway towards whatever is good. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says after that, وَتَحْسَبُهُمْ That you um, imagine them to be hisab is to, to consider or to, to, to calculate. You consider them to be awake while they are actually asleep. وَنُقَلِّبُهُمْ ذَاتَ الْيَمِينَ And we end up moving them right to left. وَذَاتَ الْيَمِينَ وَذَاتَ الشِّمَالِ وَكَلْبُهُمْ بَاسِتٌ ضَرَعِيهِ بِالْبَصِيدِ And also at the same time as they're in this deep sleep, moving from one side to another, which is a type of protection for their bodies from you know things that we normally think to be bed sores. And this is famous because there's this, the, the seven sleepers and their dog. And so the idea of the dog comes up here is quite interesting because a dog, you know, in English they say a dog is a man's best friend. You find um, faithfulness, like the word that comes up when you think of a dog is faithfulness. Not in the same of a cat, we have a, another pet like a cat, which is a companion, but this is faithfulness. You hear the stories of uh, the master of a dog passing away and the dog remaining at the grave of the person that's passed away. They are basically being being given faithfulness by an animal who mm. stands and remains almost like a sign in front of their um, resting place. And and the dog becomes um, a symbol afterwards about um, faithfulness and and um, and and health helping and strengthening a specific person who's weak. Mm. And it's interesting that the dog comes up because in, in, in the Islamic tradition, in terms of fiqh, you obviously know that the the dog, in terms of the the, the purity of it, is is questioned by majority of scholars except for Imam Malik radiAllahu anhu, and therefore. It's interesting that the Quran paints the dog as a very faithful component of this specific story. Mm. And this mm. is why, um, I think it's in, in, in the Arabic it's called Kimtir. So they even in later narrations they even give a name to the dog. And in, in spirituality they always come up with this idea of the Kimtir as this kind of faithful guide. Mm. So this kind of um, symbol, the dog becomes almost like a symbol of this protective um, kind of guide uh, for people. So I'm going to just, uh, for the benefit of the listeners who've just joined, uh, this is uh, Reflections with Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad. Um, we are covering Surah Kahf, uh, the themes and some of the stories from it um, to make sense of our own situation that we find ourselves in uh, and related to the life of the Prophet Wasallam as well. I'm going to play the ayahs again uh, with the translation. Uh, just to recap with some of the meanings that we've just discussed. In the name of Allah, the absolutely merciful, the especially merciful. Allah 
and you might have seen the sun when it rose declining to the right from their cave, and when it set turning away from them to the left, while they lay in the midst of the cave. That is of the signs of Allah. He whom Allah guides is rightly guided, but he whom he sends astray, for him you will find no guiding friend to lead him to the right path. وَتَحْسَبُهُمْ وَهُمْ وَنُقَلِّبُهُمْ ذَاتَ الْيَمِينِ وَذَاتَ الشِّمَالِ وَكَلْبُهُمْ بَاسِقٌ ذِرَاعَيْهِ بِالْوَصِيدِ لَوْ اطَّلَعْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ لَوَلَّيْتَ مِنْهُمْ فِرَارًا وَلَمُلِئْتَ مِنْهُمْ رُعْبًا And you would have thought them awake while they were asleep. And we turned them on their right and on their left sides and their dog stretching forth his two forelegs at the entrance. Had you looked at them, you would certainly have turned back from them in flight, and would certainly have been filled with awe of them. وَكَذَلِكَ بَعَثْنَاهُمْ لِيَتَسَاءَلُوا بَيْنَهُمْ قَالَ قَائِلٌ مِّنْهُمْ كَمْ لَبِثْتُمْ قَالُوا لَبِثْنَا يَوْمًا أَوْ بَعْضَ يَوْمٌ قَالُوا رَبُّكُمْ أَعْلَمُ بِمَا لَبِثْتُمْ فَبَعَثُوا أَحَدَكُمْ بِوَرِقِكُمْ هَذِهِ إِلَى الْمَدِينَةِ فَلْيَنْظُرْ أَيُّهَا Likewise, we awakened them that they might question one another. A speaker from among them said, How long have you stayed? They said, We have stayed perhaps a day or part of a day. They said, Your Lord knows best how long you have stayed. So send one of you with this silver coin of yours to the town, and let him find out which is the good lawful food, and bring some of that to you. And let him be careful. So, uh, 17 to 19. Sheikh, the reason I played it again, there's a thought crossing my mind. These three ayahs are about, they are about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala going against His own made laws. He's made an order, He's made a law, but He's demonstrating that I can do something else whenever I want. I can put people to sleep for centuries and they can be resurrected again as they were. <clears throat> That's one. The other thing that comes to mind is this concept of time is just so warped in our heads. We, we just don't know what the concept is. Um, is it something, is, is this is this telling us something? What to believe in? What to actually fathom about time? Because in all of this, is uh, they slept, 
for so long mm. and then they, when they when they actually woke up they're going into town and they just have lost concept of time mm. they just don't know so this concept of time that a moment is a lifetime sometimes and a huge amount of time uh you, you spend and amounts to nothing mm. and sometimes you spend just a moment on something and you find a lot from it mm. it's un- uneven evenness of the 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 feeling of time mm. so your question is first of all god is changing It the laws of nature yeah whenever he wills um the thing is it's not whenever he wills so okay the the introduction of the breaking of the norms of nature is an extremely exceptional case uh, and in this situation it's a case which is not for a prophet so this is this is one of the the proofs and hmm. uh, that the ahlus sunnah wal jamaah use scholars of, of the majority of, of, of the sunni school use against the mu'tazilites and others that deny that people human normal people that are not prophets can can be the recipients of a divine miracle which is called karamat karamat yeah so this is a proof because the quran is clearly saying that they went into suspended sleep state for a period which which is normally not possible so it's a clear example and unless you <coughs> do some kind of somersaults of putting them into a coma and you know you would have to mm. well then then okay and god has had to bring in the medical contraptions to create the coma state because if somebody's extremely ill or or their body shutting down the the, the medical uh, practitioners can put them into an induced coma mm-hmm. this is not an induced coma this is they're there and they're just going into this state hmm. there's no um there's no apparatus that's there that's by their side that's checking their heart rate their pulse their temperature hmm. um their le- oxygen levels there's nothing it's god it's a, it's a, it's a miraculous event that happens rarely so it's not that god just all of a sudden changes that that does not happen and it does not happen in people's lives it happens for the prophet it happened for the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam interesting the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is that when it happened it happened with the quran this you know the, the, the quran itself was his miracle everything else that he did was not to convince people to follow him as a, almost like a rule hmm. if you think of all the miracles of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam apart from the splitting of the sun i'm sorry the splitting of the moon um every single example we have is of him showing his own companions something who were already believers it was wasn't like you know the previous prophets where they showed the miracles to the disbelievers so they believed mm-hmm. so think of all the prophets they showed something to the disbelievers and they saw it and they said we're going to believe like jesus bringing the dead to life bismillah by the permission of god they did it to convince the people that weren't believers to believe in him when the prophet did miracles it was you know the the the, the prophet's blessed hands gushing forth water between the fingers of his blessed hand in the comp- company of his, of his companions mm. those were the things of distributing food that was sufficient only for uh, seven or eight people distributing it opening up the gates of a house and just mm. in the battle of khandaq just com- continuously doing that and in fact in the battle of khandaq there was numerous uh, miracles to who the people who were digging the ditch that he told them to dig You know like when you ah, okay. when somebody is so there's a qualification 
to receive that karamat. Yeah, so it's like, it. you know, these people were really, think of it, how much, how, do you know how long, how difficult it's to dig? Yeah. Not sand, we're not talking about sand. If you go to Medina Nawara, there's Almost rocks rock. and rock and boulders and sand. The, the, the kind of sand is filled with kind of um, solid um, bas- basalt and all these kind of um, formations. To thank them, the Prophet shows them things who, to people who don't need that. They, sufficient for them is the Prophet, is the, the Prophet and he's amongst them. And they marry over the fact the Prophet is amongst them. And despite that, they're in a state of deep fear for their lives in the Battle of Khandaq, just before it. But to show the appreciation Allah grants the Prophet and miracles that the believers who are already believing in, in the fullest degree see and they, you know, just top up their faith. Not for the disbelievers, none of the You don't see, I can't think of any example where the Prophet didn't, um, did something that caused a person to enter into faith. Like you have the story of Rukana, who's the, the, the wrestler, uh, who the Prophet wrestled uh, you know, when he came to Mecca al Muqarrama after having traveled to Medina Nawara. He, he wrestled this champion wrestler, and, and the condition was that he would become Muslim. Mm. When the Prophet did it, which is a miracle because the Prophet is old at that time, and this is a champion wrestler, he refused to become Muslim. Mm. He said, You are a magician. Khalas, the, the miracle is not for him. And so the miracles are not a rule, they're deep, deep exceptions. Mm. Historically, are deep, deep exceptions. They're not as if every day you were expecting something to happen. Like, this is why is this event so. Headline grabbing at that time because it's the only real example of a miracle happening after the death of the Prophet Isa. That's why they ask about it, the Jewish rabbis asked the Prophet about it through the, the Quraysh because it was one of these things that happened centuries before, you know, two and a half centuries before, where they were discovered. And from that time to the Prophet's time, it was still something that was discussed amongst the northern, um, you know, Anatolian. Tribes and it was probably part and parcel of Syriac Christianity in terms of Orthodox Christianity. But the thing is, <clears throat> it was an exception. So I w- I'd be very wary to say <clears throat> that these are things that happen again and again. Second thing is about time. You you said about times. Yeah. Um, the concept of time is is a strange one. Of course, it's, I mean it, so, for sometimes us it's you strange. get it, sometimes you don't. No, but the thing your your live experience. If you ever re- reach an old old age, your experience of the previous years will be Kalamh al-Basar as the Quran says as the blinking of eyelid yeah because your memories you could have you could have deep deep happiness at this moment in time when you blink and look at what happened in the past it all is encapsulated in that blink of an eyelid yes so yeah. time is relative we know that based on um, just the, the theoretical um, study of matter we know time is relative <coughs> As it's well not, as space. And it's not even. So time and space are relative, depending upon experience. And you know, this is something that Einstein came up with. But Imam Ghazali basically came up with the same idea um, when he's, he spoke about time and said, it's the, it's, the, it's the distance within which you have events happening. So if you had a lot of distance, an imaginary distance, and the only thing that happened in it was one small thing. Time is just that one small thing. There's nothing else to say about that time. Hmm. Imagine you lived a hundred years. And in that hundred years, you were in an induced coma. 
And in the middle of it, they woke you up and they showed you a picture of something beautiful and they put you back into the coma. Just about the end of your life, they put the, the, the coma, the, the, the life support off and you died. Mm-hmm. You live for a hundred years. Your experience of that was the one thing that you were part conscious of, which was seeing a picture. That's your life. Mm. Your concept of time is that one event. And so in the Quran here, it's saying that they, they experience time as a blink of an eyelid. Mm-hmm. So they say, what does it say? We, we slept for a day or less than a day. From the experience But if you were to Go out to the cave And look at all the people That pass by the cave The villages and cities In the The area around them In Turkey Or in In Jordan Wherever it is They live generations The people that they lived with Had children Who had children Who had children Who had mm. children Who had children Who are now listening to this story So their experience of time Is completely different From their experience of time But it tells you that You know Time is essentially What you make it because from our perspective, the human perspective, which is how we experience life and live our lives, it's what you do in your life which is important, not the amount of time that you exist on the earth. So why like Imam, Imam Nawawi, for example, is celebrated for having died at a very early age, but nobody cares because of the, what he did was given so much barakah, you know, so much blessing in the small things that he did. In the small time they had so much blessing in the works that he wrote that, you know, the book Kitab al Majmu' used massive 40 volume. I've got 40 volume edition of that. Mm. Commentary on Sahih Muslim, his 40 yes, hadith, Riyadh al Salihin. He passed away at the age of 56, roughly, yeah? No, no, less than that. Less he, than he that. He was in the 40s, he was in his 40s, Imam Nawi. So, you know, that is young age, great blessing, great productivity, and also great acceptance. Every book he wrote, Became standard Like in Shafi'i Fiqh The book that is there for Comparative Fiqh And encyclopedic is his Majmu' Which is basically his massive compendium Commentary of Sahih Muslim Is basically his his companion A book of Dhikr Kitab Al-Adhkar If you want a small book of Hadith 40 Hadith So everything he wrote All of a sudden became this, The gold standard so time is relative. So, so, so time doesn't exist, mm-hmm. basically, right? There, there is no such thing. as So I, I can weigh that this mouse I have mm-hmm. is so many grams, mm-hmm. but I, there is no measure of time which is absolute. This no, there's no because this is arbitrary. The, I mean, even weight, for example, you know, if you want to go into the technicalities of this, and I'm not an expert in this, but you know, they set the weights based upon the gravitational force of a specific point on Earth, mm-hmm. because. Depending on the gravitational force at di- a different um, altitude, the weight will be different of a specific thing. Yeah, but that, that's within the Earth, right? And so, no, what my point is, it's relative. Yeah, but time, the, the variance is. Yeah, so very the point is, you have to set a standard to mark everything. That's my point. With time, you also have to do the, th- the same thing because with time, you have to say, well, I'll see you. We'll start the show at 7 30. Yeah. So what does that 7.30 mean? It means that you have tr- tried to capture the movement of the sun and it's setting and it's rising and you found that there's a kind of sequence, sequential norm which we can say is 24 hours, 24, we can break into 24 hours so we can start to um, plan things. So instead of saying, I'll see you just as the, the, the shadow, of, you know, in prayer what do we say, the Asr time is, when the the, the, the the shadow of a thing is equal or twice the length of its own uh, height. Mm. 
That's they didn't say, or the Prophet didn't, you know, say, or you know, um, Asr is six twenty-two, but six forty. The, the the feeling. My point is that the way that we make a, a, a kind of standard for ourselves is based upon what we, what we agree. Yes. So we, I can say, you know, seven thirty. You can say nineteen thirty. That's yeah. just a convention. Yeah. But the point is, how do we know it? It's comparing one thing to another. So we're going to do this every day at 7.30. In other words, a similar time just before the sun sets. Yeah. And then because the sun, we're in a higher northern latitude, it will change over the next couple of days. We'll be adjusting that. And at a certain point, we'll start at 8 o'clock. But it seems that the time is in some kind of, some kind of packets. Mm-hmm. Some are denser than others. Mm-hmm. So it's... An hour to me could be a denser hour now, uh, or, or a lighter hour mm-hmm. than is after Fajr. So when Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, "I have barakah in after Fajr time," mm-hmm. so that barakah seems there is more density in that hour. You get more done mm-hmm. in that hour. When you get more done mm-hmm. in the same amount of time, to us on our on our watch, mm-hmm. is actually not the same amount. The amount is mm-hmm. three dimensional. Yeah, so the, the 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 point that I think you're making alluding to is the fact that you can, depending on the nature of when something is done, it can be extended in its productivity based upon when it's done. So it's basically, yeah, you know, when the scholars talk about memorizing Quran, they say after Fajr or after Maghrib. So there's, if you ask them why, they say Mujarrab. It's been tested, mm. you know, tried and tested. That that's when the barakah is is most potent, and to be honest. Successful people are the people that get everything done before, you know, you know, you know. You know they're talking about you know, by ten o'clock, it's all done, d- done and dusted. Successful people, they basically the rest of it is just, you know, seeing and observing the ramifications of what they've done happening because mm. everything's done. They've mm. they've done everything, and this is why the Prophet Sallallahu you know, he used to wake up his family early. And he, in fact, there's a hadith of Imam Tabarani in which mm. he mm. he shook his daughter Fatima. He said, "Qumi washhadi rizq Rabbiki wa la taquni min al-ghafilin." He said to her, he shook her to wake up early, and he said, "Wake and witness um, the 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 provision of your Lord being distributed, and do not be from those people that are oblivious or heedless." And it was this is a special time, and so. This in a, in one in one way it does show the, the the fact that time is relative, but in our normal lives we also we should be careful that it also is that because it is relative. Depending on when you do something, the blessing of that is far far greater. And um, this is just about compressing the time based upon God's uh, in Allah Subhanahu's command. And it is also from Surah Kahf as well that we get this concept that the time is not linear. Yes, I mean, I mean, God has the ability to compress because time is based upon God's creative force. If you look at it from the perspective of what time is, it's basically Allah is has a quality which is called taqween, which is to bring things into being. Yeah. The different things He brings into being, how they compare to each other, marks how time is. So time just now is eight thirty-two. Iftar today is going to be at nine o three. Three minutes past nine, and the timetable I have in front of me is from Masjid Furqan. I think there is a, a minute difference from other timetables that's going on. So uh, I think 
both are correct so we because we are following this for suhoor time uh, so to be consistent we are also following uh, everything else on this for adhan times and for uh, iftar time as well so those of you who are following any other timetable uh, we uh, we'd like to let you know that this is 9:03 from masjid furqan's timetable uh sheikh surah kahf that we have covered today was the story of the sleepers i think we're going to conclude the story uh, in the session or we're going to continue with this tomorrow we do tomorrow inshallah uh, so the, tomorrow will be the conclusion of this part of the story inshallah uh, inshallah and then we'll move on to the next it's two. up to you if you want to inshallah <laughs> stop questioning me so many <laughs> <laughs> no inshallah i think the the questions are uh, useful for people because uh, when you question i think probably 50 other people are thinking the same thing okay i never thought of the questions you ask so it's just surprising <laughs> the time fact, my my daughter i was i was um you know we've got this ramadan virtual hub app yeah and i i was um recording a lesson on wudu and so before i was recording it i was just i wanted to put in a wee um or a small uh, quiz to to see if the children I was speaking I was speaking to like children from 10 to 13 or something so asking if they can think of sources of water to make wudu from okay. so obviously i had like tap everyone thinks of tap but you can have a lake you can have rivers ocean you can have um rain you can have yeah. underwater a aquifer stream, yeah. <coughs> you can have uh, melted snow and my daughter said what about tears subhanallah and <laughs> and then um i kind of thought okay so i was thinking did you cry so you, you don't cry so much so i was saying do you know how much water you need you need to, the prophet used to make water bottle between 350 milliliters to 500 milliliters so that's a lot of tears <laughs> so but the point was she she thought that um you know can you make bottle from tear 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 water and so that's a question i put in the in the actual app i've not had an answer to that yet So my daughter gave me a question I didn't I didn't think of <laughs> ever. I didn't think of that. No, some of the no, uh, yeah, some of the questions are questions that so you need to ask. So that's a question for your listeners as well. Yeah, so some of the questions you need to ask. I think we, we may just start this thing on Facebook. So maybe children think of questions. Maybe you're a child at heart. Maybe this is where we've got to the po- got to the actual um core of this whole problem that people have <laughs> with your questions is that you're a child at heart and they're um the they've matured too early so i like people who are child at heart because it's innocent question <laughs> i'm yeah. not sure what to, what, what, to, what to make of because you honest when I, when i'm speaking to people you you have people that ask questions and you can tell there's um and i can i can tell before i even they ask the question who the person is what they're doing it's not as if i'm naive to understand people's intentions so when people ask a question or they write something it's obvious what they're saying so usually i say okay this is your answer but i know what you want to say let's discuss what your problem is <laughs> <laughs> and so but with children it's just in fact i was on umrah uh, this was my first umrah with the group and there was a there was a young man from I'm not going to mention who it is or any details so you know who it is um but he was so innocent that he just kept asking so many questions He's probably twenty-two, martial arts, just a normal person who, you know, is from a Muslim family, but just happened to be on the Umrah. Asked so many questions. Everyone said he's so rude, he's so disrespectful. And to be honest, I didn't see any disrespect, because 
he was like a child. Why do you do this? Why do you do that? Who said this? Why are we doing this? Do we have to do this? You know, it was like in a minute he would have like 17, 18 questions that I would mm. respond to and he would have another one. Mm. After that, after two minutes he would just sit back and smile. Not as if, ah, I got you in that question and then that question. No, just innocence. Yeah. So yeah. I think, you know, the, the older we get, the less innocence we have and the more machinations and the more in- intrigue and the more, you know, the ruh is corrupted. It has a detrimental effect on society. And that's why, you know, the older, some people, like when they get older, they get this child, child-like, childlike nature back. You know, the, I know a lot of older people that I really admire a lot. The older they got, the more childish they got. Yeah. Which was the more innocent they got. Not that they became childish, they became childlike. Which meant that they didn't have this false pretense of worldly gain and prestige and honor and and how people perceive them. And this is why Imam Ghazali says, if you were to be like children, you would become from the awliya because he said you know he mentioned certain attributes of children that they don't worry about where the risk coming risk is coming from they have no um shyness in asking questions and also they cry from the sh- the, the smallest sense, sense of fear you look at a child the mo- smallest thing that you say to them <laughs> in my son when i shout khalas this tears He could, the point is you'll be the awliya because if Allah is giving you a verse in the Quran that is you know striking fear in your hearts you should cry like a child you know that's the the simple reason in your own you know in your pr- private uh, conversation with Allah that was where you cry and you cry when you hear a verse not in public where people see you know the verse has been recited you're crying the point is Imam Ghazali is on to something which is if you were to be like children you would be from the awliya And that's it. The, sh- the slightest rebuke means that they change their behavior. I won't do it again. But humans, adults, they they dare to challenge God by God warning them. And guess what? Okay, I'll do it again. Warning? Oh, it doesn't matter. And that's when you, you see a young child, that's when you see the young child um, starting to become an adult. And you realize, okay, that innocence has disappeared. But what we pray is that, you know, once you get older... The innocence is re- recovered, and essentially, what you're being is true to God. So, you become in that very, very nature to Allah that you hear Him and the command as being absolutely correct and true, and the kind of your personality and your demeanor, your sense of self disappears. Mm. And what we do during our maturity is we build this sense of self. And this is why, you know, the Surah Al-Kahf is so interesting because um, because you mentioned, I don't know what you mentioned. Did you mention something now that I'm speaking about this? Um, yeah, I was actually mocking you <laughs> for asking childish questions. <laughs> the Prophet Ali Salatu was well, childish or childlike? Childlike, childlike, <laughs> that's it. Yes, it's different. Um, the Prophet Ali Salatu was in his childhood, he was, he, we had this, this instance where the Prophet's heart was opened and, 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 and the hadith which we have related is that the, the, the portion of the shaitan's influence on him was taken out at a young age of around two years old 
at the age of around 12, the Prophet against this, according to very authenticated hadith, happened again. Um, and this time, what was taken at was al-hiqdi wal-hasad. Hiqd is um, enmity and rancor towards other people. Hasad is en- envy. Mm. Because you know the moment you get to teenage years, that's when envy kicks in. That's when hiqd, anger and hate towards another person kicks in. That is the thing that makes you takes you away from being childlike, out of the realm of possibly being from the awliya, the, the, the people that are close to God. And your whole life will be hiqd hasad, bughd, anger, you know, vanity. Whole th- your whole life is just this encroachment of your nafs being shielded from the divine mercy that could come your way. And you've put this shield up to stop it. Now the Prophet was protected. And what happens is, the Surah Al-Kahf is so interesting here, is because these were young people that took, took the decision to worship Allah and God protected them. And if you look at the Prophet the Surah Al-Kahf story is exactly the same as what the Prophet did. Which is, you know, before he received revelation, did he not make the same decision that the Ashab Al-Kahf made? Mm-hmm. Which is, Meccan society, idolatry, adultery, um, drink, everything frivolous, the rights of the poor, downtrodden, neglected, and the Prophet turned his back on that and went to the, the cave, the, the ghar. Turning his back on that, and then what did Allah say in, in Surah Al-Kahf? Whoever God guides, they are guided. Mm-hmm. But look, the Prophet turned his back. And went up the he went up the pathway not because God told him, because he's, he's inspired by the fact he hated what was happening. And the moment that he did that, God gave him this amazing opening, which is the same thing that happened to the Ashab al-Kahf, that they were protected in the Ghar. And, yes. and the action is similar. The, the, the thing the Prophet's life is, I, I might, um, if I remember, comment on this. Each of these stories in Surah al-Kahf, Represent one small episode of the Prophet's life himself. So, Ashab al Kahf, yes, it's extended period. But as a miracle that happens, the miracles that happen to the Prophet is that he's given revelation, which is the greatest miracle. Where's the Barzakh? What do you mean, the Barzakh? There is Barzakh in yes. this story. So, the Barzakh is the Prophet's stillness in, in, the, in, the, in the Ghar. Uh, the, the stillness, the pre prophetic. Announcement period to the announcement period. That barzakh is that intense worship, that stillness, that Aisha says, adad. He used to worship Allah. Sorry, adad. He used to worship in devoted worship of Allah for numerous elongated days. And that was this interspace of waiting. And then all of a sudden you have Iqra, Bismi Rabbika Ladi Khalaq, and the physical um, pain of the angel constricting the Prophet. Very much like, you know, in Surah Al Kahf, um, the Quran says if you were to see them, you would run away from them out of fear. Hmm. So that Ru'b, Ru'ba, it's exactly what the Prophet felt when he was confronted by the angel Jibra'il, where he felt his own. Expressions are that he felt that he was going to his soul was going, was going to leave him, and that's the experience mm. of the person that sees Ashab al-Kahf. But the point, the beautiful thing of the Prophet Sirah and his life and his person personality is that he encapsulates each of these stories in his Sirah, but they're small parts of his Sirah. 
Like the amazing thing of Surah Al-Kahf and the people why we mention them in the Quran is a small drop in the life story of the seerah of the Prophet Like it's a small thing that because it's a small thing we lose it in the seerah. Like ghar, revelation, worship. That should be such a big, big story. But it, when you compare it to all these amazing things that happen in the Prophet's life, his seerah, there's so many that you just are unable, unaware of which ones to really focus on at that moment in time. Because they're Can all amazing. Make it relevant for me. Mm-hmm. How is it relevant for me? The part of Surah Kahf that we've read today, mm-hmm. as a person who's trying to live my life in COVID, mm-hmm. I'm at home. Yes. My activity is curtailed. Mm-hmm. I just don't know what future holds. Mm-hmm. I have been disconnected from my routine. Mm-hmm. And whatever I'm doing, I just don't know what the outcome is going to be. Mm-hmm. As 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 a business owner, as a father, mm. a, as a, a son, I just don't know. I can't travel. I can't go and be able to see my parents. I mm-hmm. just don't know what will happen there in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the the simple thing is there's two issues here. One is, Dunya wal akhirah. There's two things. You know, what you ask Allah is for atina fi dunya hasna wa fil akhirati hasna. You ask for good in this life and the hereafter. But what you give priority to is the things that give you good in the hereafter while allowing you the promise of Allah on, on earth. And this is encapsulated in that verse which we kind of looked up, looked at. Man yahdi Allahu fahuwa al muhdad. Now, is the priority to sustain business is it to sustain a specific type of life is it is it to sustain a specific type of relationship with people if that is the purpose then the history of our species is that those things never remain as they are they're not promised the most beloved person will pass away and this is why you know if you look at the life of the prophet who we, who is our master in in this and in all areas his his father mother grandfather uncle wife you're taken away while he's watching his sons, daughters. His daughters. Daughter. He carried, like you, he carried all You cannot children. have an affection for a son that you have for your daughter. So each of those things, he is having them taken away almost like in, 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 in a chronological order, spaced out so he, will, he won't have to, he'll have to experience them. You know, if you were to have all the catastrophes in one day, you'd pick yourself up. Dust yourself down, get mm-hmm. on with it. Imagine five years down the line, the same thing happened, then the same thing. Then every five years or six years, you're knocked to your knees. You have to get back up. That's a test. And so what Allah is saying in this surah and this specific story that we looked at today is, Whoever takes the steps towards God's guidance and God guides them, they're given the stamp of, of being guided. In other words, that means, what does it mean to be guided? It means that you make the right decisions when you need to make a decision. Muhtad is a person who will make the right decisions. Remember, it's not, mm. you're saying, okay, in COVID, I'm saying you take the steps towards seeking God's guidance. God will guide you. Mm-hmm. Once God guides you, you are muhtad. You're the one who's received the guidance now. No, no, you're the one that will now be guided in your choices, your life choices, your perspective on life. Because you've sought guidance. Yes, you guidance. sought it. This is kind of the interesting thing that then you can say, okay, my business, my mm. family, 
my workforce, my friends. Now, when you ask my family, my workforce, my my employment, my mortgage, when you look at these now, you will be muhtad. Looking at it, it's different from being whoever is misguided, they will never find a friend who is guiding them. In other words, when you look at your mortgage and your house and your employment, when you're yudlil, uh, when you're mudil, when you're misguided, you will not know what on earth to do if you lose your job. You will no, not have any idea how to do live your life if you've lost a, a person who was close to you. You will just fall to your knees. Okay. Muhtad will be the Prophet when he was faced with all these things as a young child, not seeing, even scenting the scent of his father, having his mother taken away at the age of six. His uncle, his grandfather, who was like his father, who he looked up to and adored and who would make space for him in front of the Kaaba, taken away from him, left to his uncle Abu Talib, who then became a support and like a father figure. Mm. Each of these taken away and his wife Khadija radiallahu anha al-Kubra. All of these people, he, when he lost these people, he was muhtad. Not because he's a prophet, but also because he was the one that climbed up Ghari Hira mm. to the cave before he was a prophet, declared. Which meant that he was given the reward for his being and his choices and his lifestyle by God, by honoring him to be, to be a prophet, even though God knew through his immense knowledge that he would be a prophet. So the, the, the knowledge of this, you know, the section we, re, we read is absolutely relevant because it gives you perspective on how you deal with things. You seek out God's guidance. Now, guaranteed the perspective will be different. You know that, I know that. But you you seek out God's guidance through your actions. So through these, your actions, your people, choices, through your intentions. Yeah, yeah. So these people made... A choice, mm-hmm. and through their choice, mm-hmm. they were then guided to be in that cave. Yes, and they will become. And a then headline. they became the recipients of all of this overflowing John generosity and protection from God. Yeah, it was always like a bonus. So, so this ayah here, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, 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 the son is behaving in such a way, mm-hmm. or is missing them, so that they can sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they are put in a cave which is uh, optimum. Mm-hmm. For sleeping, mm-hmm. to be preserved, mm. uh, the positioning of it and mm. the way it is and the way they are positioned there, and then it says, "May yahdihillahu fahuwal muhtad, wa may yudlil falantajidalahu waliyum murshida." So it doesn't come out of nowhere; it comes out of yeah. their choices. And the point is, um, you know, it's almost as if God is saying, if you take the the the, the path towards seeking God's input in this and his protection and his strength and the reliance on him then you will also be given these protective layers psychologically spiritually emotionally these are these are the things that we always talk about make the person sustain themselves through difficulties we don't talk about money you know if you're talking about difficulties in your money your bank balance is your is your key towards protecting your Mental sanity is not at all. What protects your mental sanity is a sense of of optimism over what is written. It doesn't indicate. It doesn't um, belittle the, the, the you know chemical imbalances that happen that create depression and 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 apprehension that exists within people as well. But the point here is that that is a protective layer 
that if you make that step, then Allah will guarantee that there will be things that will then uh, enable you to challenge what you're facing and face up to the challenges as one thing and the other um, you know, multiplies itself onto your, onto, your, onto your being. Did they see it as an opportunity? Did Prophet ﷺ seen his tribulation as opportunities, as something that he embraced ﷺ? So he was on his, if I want to use this term, on his knees. I mean, he, was, he had to leave Makkah. Mm-hmm. He, he, Prophet and with his companions, they had to leave their home. So are you saying, did they look at it as an opportunity or did they look for it in that sense? No. Did they, when they came to a point, it was difficult for them to stay where they stayed. Mm -hmm. They had to leave their land Mm -hmm. to go for another land. Yes. What what do we know about what feelings prevailed? Were they looking at it as, as an emancipation? They were going somewhere better, although they were in a hardship? No, I think if you look at the Prophet's response to tribulations and big events, like you say, for example, when he's leaving for Hijrah, he's leaving Mecca al Mukarramah, he looks, turns back and looks at it. Is he said to he said to it, "How beautiful are thee, and how honored are thee in in the, in the sight of God?" And if it wasn't for my people expelling me from thee, I would never have left thee. So the feeling of expulsion. He was expelled. You know, he was expelled, but he he didn't want that to happen. Yeah, he would want to have gone back. If if they had said, "Okay, come," he would have gone. The the idea here is that he was saying that if they had not thrown me out, I would not have left. There was the problem. Never looked for the tribulation. Never looked for the difficulty. Never reveled in the challenge of the difficulty. If you want to, if you want, to, if that's what you know, you're 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 hoping to in, in terms of question come round to. He never reveled in the fact that God was testing them and that was a sign of him being raised up. The Prophet said that, you know, never uh, never, um, never encourage or never look forward to meeting the enemy. But uh, when you come to the battlefield, فَثْبِتُوا You know, be steadfast. So he never wanted the battles, he never wanted the difficulties, he never wanted the tribulations, never wanted the ex- expelling from the most beloved city to him, never wanted all of these. Hmm. Never wanted the episode of Ta'if to happen, never wanted the Khandaq episode of, of, the, of the Ahzab and the Confederates descending upon the city of the Prophet like hordes. Um, he never wanted any of that. But the thing is, when the, when the event happened, he would embrace it knowing that God would protect hmm. and bring about good not that he would give them victory but good like the battle of Uhud he, he knew that it can bring about good even though that good was outwardly on the first day of Uhud a type of um, defeat if you wanted to say that you know it wasn't a defeat but it was it was very much not what they expected at the beginning of the day in, in Uhud they would have, they were feeling confident, but when they got to the the battle of Uhud, they were feeling that they made the wrong decision. Mm. But the point is, at the end of the day, even when it finished and they were, you know, they had to retreat, there was still the Prophet still encouraged that to be a type of experience that was positive for them. That the companions tested the Prophet by making a decision that he didn't want, but he went with their opinion based upon the Shura principle. And they saw that, you know, 
not obeying the Prophet ﷺ in that situation would mean that they would fall into the dire situation that they were in where, where the martyrs fell honourably but in a way that could have been avoided. Sheikh, a quick recap of what we've covered today mm. in these ayahs. Mm. Just, just the main, main thing that, that springs out, that kind of stands out. I mean, the main thing that stands out for me is the, the fact that if you take a step towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will come rushing to you, as, as we know in the hadith of Hadith mm. Qudsi. That, that concept of God reciprocating what you do and adding so much more is a constant thread in the Quran. And this is what, in fact, what's indicated to us today is that you make that step and you make that intention, you make that move, then everything will be hayyit. In the Quran it says, will be facilitated. Facilitate is probably a good way of translating that, which means that everything that you need now will be given to you. It's like that poem of Iqbal, you know, that a person will act in God's pleasure to the point that God will say to the servant, in what thing does your pleasure lie? And this is exactly what happened. They made a decision. They made this move towards the worship of Allah. That was enough. After that point that Allah said, okay, we will provide and, 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 and prepare for you everything you need so that you will become a sign for, the, for, for, for mankind after this day. And it's the same thing with the human beings. If we make that move towards Allah, If you move towards God seeking hidayah, you'll be stamped with this qualification of being muhtad. Muhtad is then almost like a capacity that you're known by, a constant capacity that you're known by. Now once you're given that capacity you're known by, your ability to see events, make decisions, decide on what to do, have a sense of perspective and a zest to live regardless of the challenges will be completely different from a person who is relying on their own actions. Mm. This is why Imam Ibn Al-Ta'ala he says that Al-Ghafil إِذَا أَصْبَحَ يَنظُرْ مَادَ يَفْعَلُ The heedless person is one that when they wake up it's they, that person who thinks what can I do? So if it's about what you can do, then you might as well give up. Because what can you do in the face of COVID? Mm. You know, you're basically fighting an enemy you can't see. And you're basically dropping, um, unable to protect yourself. But if you take precautions, and then you rely on Allah to, to try and make the tra- heart tranquil, to know that anything that's written for you will, 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 will reach you, and anything that's not written will not reach you, you, you sleep. Um with a degree of ease. And that's muhtad. So this verse section that we looked at today, the idea of muhtad is such an interesting, in fact, such a simple idea. But if you looked at it, we'd just be discussing it for the last hour and a half. It is very deep that you seek the hidayah through your intention. Then God then comes in and says, okay, if you seek that guidance, we will guide you and we'll make you muhtad. And then look at how your life Extends after that. Look at all the way that you make choices. Make you muhtad, mm-hmm. English for muhtad. Muhtad is a person who is inherently guided. Inherently, they are the guided person. In other words, if you look they're at safe. them, they are safe. They are safe in the fact that they are guided by Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So their actions are in a in a, in a proper framework. Almost like their actions are steered by Allah's guidance. You know, when you have a choice, the thing that will make them inclined towards one or, or another option is the fact that they've been guided by God. Prerequisite? The prerequisite is you, you, you're upright in your obedience to Allah and sincere in that. Simple thing. 
you know, that's oh, not a complicated I, thing. I've lost track of time. Uh, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, it's nine o'clock and three minutes time. Inshallah, it will be Maghrib. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.